Uh, but I want to talk about labor. It's been a long time, four or five years since I talked about labor. And we're in a, we're in a culture now where labor isn't very, isn't very appreciated, that work isn't very appreciated, that we think that we should get something for nothing. And, uh, and we've heard a lot that, uh, and I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk in just a minute about the difference between good works and the wrong good works and the right good works, which hopefully you're, you're already there, uh, if you've been listening to me for a while. But I want to talk about, well, uh, 35 minutes or so, but I want to recognize that when, when, uh, when there's a word of knowledge given about a spirit of hope, so Herman has a word of knowledge about the spirit of hope being present specifically for three people, and then the song starts, it's all about hope, and then he gives me that word of the night, then, then something, something is wanting to happen. God is wanting something to happen right at that point. The word of knowledge is saying God's, God's right now highlighting the hope, and you know what? You can receive it or not receive it. You don't have to receive it. It can be given. It was powerful. I can see it was powerful. And the thing is, is that you don't, it doesn't have to be powerful. Remember, it's not powerful if you don't partake of it. It's just there. It was just a word. It was nice. We had a word of knowledge. But, but that's why we want to operate in, ask for, and appreciate gifts of the Holy Spirit of different kinds. Now, we had a Jim Becton last week who walks in the apostolic and so we want to appreciate and embrace what that brings, whether it's a teacher, an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, um, or a pastor, and then the, all the multiple gifts that we have. I mean, it's easy to appreciate uh, the gift of this team that's up here that's going to be in our house this evening with um, Sharla and, uh, uh, and, and Mike included. It's easy to appreciate that, but just to sit back and not engage in the spirit of what God's wanting to do. So when, even when somebody's teaching... That was nice. Or you can engage in the very thing spiritually that God wants to do. As I'm using English words, as I'm using my best ability and what I'm experiencing with the Lord to share with you something, you can just go, that was nice, that felt good. Or you can attach to it, receive something from it, and leave here with with more than you came in with. It's not only dependent upon me. And by the way, it's not... Only dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You have to be willing to receive and to be in a position to receive. And we're, we have this wrong, this wrong thing of, um, that God's just going to come and get me. I'm just going to sit around in my chair. And if God wants to move me, he will move me and I won't have any control over it. That's not true. If, if you want to be, if you want to change and you want to live in the abundant life and you want to experience, peace that passes understanding. Yes, you come into salvation, but then you keep receiving from a good, good father. So this idea of labor, I'm going to, I'm going to equate labor and work as the same thing, even though it's not technically the same thing. And my first job I had where I got paid was in 1975 in Grants Pass, Oregon. I worked on a farm. I got paid $5 for every three hours I worked. My parents would either drop me off or I would ride my bike or my older brother would drop me off at this farm in 1975. I was 13 years old. I just turned 13 years old. And I got paid $5 every three hours. is like $1.60 something. I was 13. Now, I had always worked in my life, so I have a value for labor. But these are the other jobs I had. So in 1975, I also worked with uh, my dad and my Uncle Dewey in construction. I did that till I was 17 years old, the summer I turned 17. Uh, I also worked a job as a church janitor in somewhere around 1978, 79, 16, 17 years old. I worked at Astroworld in 1980. How many remember Astroworld? 
I uh, was getting in. I thought I was getting into landscaping department because I was so shy. I knew I couldn't do any of the rides or anything like that. Uh, be that personality person that my sister actually went and got a job being Mrs. Personality. But for me, I, I, I was going into what I thought was landscaping, which really meant emptying trash cans. So I did that for three or four weeks. And I turned 18 in 1980, and I got a job at Handy Dan Hardware, which was the precursor of the big box stores like um, Lowe's and Home Depot now. And that was a, that was a great job. At the same time, right after that, I became a clerk uh, in the non-foods department of Eagle Supermarket uh, that was down there on Antoine and Canino Road, somewhere down there at uh, that that area, south of 249. If you hear something, it's it's the rain pittering pattering, which is awesome. I was a lifeguard. I, I've always had multiple jobs because my jobs never paid very much. Uh, I set up for a, for a, a few weeks. In, in one year, I had about eight jobs. When I graduated in 19, they're putting things on the walls. I was uh, started yard uh, uh, landscaping, tree trimming, mowing yards. At the same time, I worked as a gallop pole caller. For that was, I think, my shortest job. That lasted one evening. Um, where I called, I think, Wyoming or Montana, and everybody was so polite. I made four hours worth of phone calls. And then the next morning I came in, I had to call New York or New Jersey. And they were so rude to me. I actually, on my first break that second day, I just walked out. And some day later, they, some weeks later, they sent me a paycheck. I worked at Kroger's uh, as a stalker for a week. I was a day laborer for my brother in construction for about three days. And it was pretty funny because I was the only one working in the building, sweeping them out that didn't speak Spanish. So I was uh, definitely in the minority there. I did that. I was a studio photographer for a company for something like three days, uh, may, maybe a week. I worked with Kreesha's dad for, seemed like a year. She swears it was a lot less than a year. Uh, I did UPS delivery assistant for a number of years in a row, and I spent uh, two winters loading their pickup trucks. So I've done a lot. Then I got, in, then I got into the good stuff, daycare worker, underpaid school t- private school teacher, stuff like that. And... Um, Youth pastor, pastor, school administrator, executive pastor, and then the last job I had that, and I would have starved. It was if it was dependent upon my my salesmanship because I'm not a very good salesman. My uh, my boss, the owner of the company, said I had nonprofit brain um, that I couldn't imagine charging anybody for anything. So, so there's the, so this idea of work is important. And I'm a big believer. I tell everybody with kids, I say, kick your kids out of the house and tell them to go find Jesus in a job. You know, go find Jesus in a job. And there's a work is important, but I want I want to talk quickly about wrong work and right work as an introduction. And um, I want you to think about the work that you've done, the jobs that you've done, even though that's not strictly what we're talking about. I want you to think about the work that you've done in your life. And uh, there is a wrong work to do. There's a wrong good works to do that the Lord says is filthy rags. There's a right good work that God tells us to do that is the fruit of our faith, of our belief, of our hope. So there's one that's working for something. I will do these wrong good works to get God to like me. So I'm working for something that's freely given to me. And then the other one, the right good works, is I'm working from a place. I'm working from a position. I'm working from a healed place. I'm working from a spiritual place. I'm working and doing good works into something, okay? So I want you to define, I want you to see those. Now here's some wrong good works. 
that are seen as filthy rags to daily pray and read your Bible simply to please God. Now, the right good work might be something like this. I'm daily reading the Bible and praying to pursue God, to to deepen my relationship with him and to know and to hear the voice of God. See how that, that see how it's tweaked. So I'm coming from I'm a child of God. I have an inheritance. I know there's some keys in the kingdom in the scripture, and I want to know the one who holds the keys to the kingdom more and more and more intimately. Here's some wrong work: giving money to get money, giving money to the church out of a sense of wrong obligation. It's wrong good works. The right good works is giving joyfully because you recognize that you've received. It's, 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 see, it's, it's different. So I'm coming, from, I'm coming from a sense of gratitude with the right good works. I'm coming from a sense of obligation that I need to make God happy in order for me to be a good kid. Now here's another wrong, wrong work. And this is a, a little bit more complex maybe. So the wrong good work is I'm going to stop Drinking, or I'm going to stop doing drugs. That is a wrong good work. Okay? This is, the, I want you to hear, this is the right good work. I am going to open the door to my wound and my wrong belief. My right good works, the fruit of this wrong good works actually happens better and better and better. So instead of seeking, I'm going to stop drinking, we begin to seek, I'm going to be set free and delivered. Instead of I'm going to stop doing drugs, it's I'm over here and I'm going to start believing what he says about me. And so there's a root level issue of right good works and there's a, there's a superficial thing about wrong good works. And what's interesting is I have been in a, ser- a sense of a, it's a struggle to do right good works. Because right good works are always faith faith oriented. They're always from a desire. So when I think about the, uh, where God's taken me since the end of 2015 and, and some of the things I'm believing for, some of the things I've been teaching, some of the things I've been declaring and to see the numbers of our Sunday morning service go down and down and down and down. Now there's a wrong, there's, 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 there's a wrong good work in that. There's a right good work. The wrong good work is for me to try harder. That's a wrong good work. The right good work is for me to believe more and to hear more and to trust him more and to obey him more. The wrong good work is, is, is to jump ship and to go make something happen. But we, get, we often put our nose to the grindstone, do the wrong good work. We look up and then we blame on the wrong good work. There's a right good work that's pleasing to God. There's a wrong good works that is displeasing to God. And if we can get some of these things straight. Now, Wednesday morning, I'm leaving for San Antonio to go to a healing conference. And don't, I mean, I get the irony of this. I think it's irony. I've been sick for three weeks. I mean, I have been sick. I have been coughing. I coughed so much, I threw out my shoulder twice. I coughed several times so much in the morning that I got dizzy. I had to sit down and go to sleep for like an hour. I was so dizzy. It's like I lost. It's like, I don't know if all the blood went from my head. And I haven't coughed. I don't cough like that typically. I went and got on medicines a little bit too late. And then I, I got busy again and did stuff. And then I got sick again. And I got a whole other dose of medicines that's, that's um, messing with my, my mind. So I get, I get the, the, the conflict of I'm, I'm praying the last two and a half years for healing, for deliverance, for, things to, for God to do something. And yet I myself am sick for three weeks. And Victoria, our daughter, 11-year-old, has been in the hospital emergency room three times in the last four, five, six months. 
So think about that. But so I can believe my experience proves that God is not my healer. And so I can begin working up some, some stuff to make that true. But what I have to do is I have to rest in the right good work is for me to strengthen my belief in what Scripture says about who God says he is. That's the right good works will lead to physical things to do. I want you to get that. Right good works will lead to physical things to do. And we're going to go into that in this first thing here. So turn to uh, be in James. I'm sorry, I'll be in First Thessalonians. James is just a little distraction that I, that I got in there. I'll be in First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 1. I'm just going to concentrate on 3 this morning. For we remember before our God and Father how you put your faith into practice, how your love motivates you to serve others, and how unrelenting is your hope filled patience. Notice that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses faith, hope, and love. He says these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. He says that in 1 Corinthians 13, 14. But look at this, that, that Paul is connecting here that your faith and your hope and your love is always manifested in action. In fact, it would be good if we would stop saying, I love you, unless we're acting and giving and pur- purposely doing something towards that person in love. It's easy to say, I love the world. It's more difficult to act out the love that we have. In, our, in the faith, hope, and love, we decide that I'm hopeful, but yet we don't. I will go begin to do things that are birthed out of my hope. Those are the right good works. If I'm loving, I will begin to do things from that love I believe, from that love I'm experienced. I will begin to do things from that love. That's right, good works. Work is foundationally comes out of faith, hope, and love. It comes out of a confidence that God is doing something and that God wants to use me to do something. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that God wants you to do something. Faith, hope, and love are things that lead to tangible things in our life. Tangible things in our life. And, and if you're working over here doing the wrong good work, you'll know it. Because you won't be producing the right things, okay? If you're, if you're working here, I want to be at peace, I want to be at peace, so I'll quit listening to the news. That will bring you an amount of a peace out of your controlling the situation, which is good, okay? But if you go over here, I want peace, and I'm going to seek after the peace of God and the person of God and the presence of God, so when turmoil comes, I don't have to put my fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 la. I actually have a, a more violent force of his presence and his peace coming into me, pushing out that fear and that discord in my life. So, there's the First Thessalonians, and there's Hebrews eleven six. And I'm going to read this. I translated it myself. It reads in a bunch of different ways. But this is basically what it reads. God, and and I'm going to warn you, this is a super annoying scripture that people often don't like. Because it pushes against their belief that there's nothing that they have to do in order to enter into the kingdom. There's nothing you have to do for salvation. But there's other things you have to do to enter into receiving mode. God rewards those who have action-based faith that diligently seek him. It says in Scripture that God rewards those 
who diligently seek him. Does that sound like some good, hard work to do is to diligently seek him? You know what some bad, good works to do? It's to read your Bible and hope that reading your Bible but not getting transformed by it does something for you. Not believing it, not declaring it, not letting it damage you and wreck you and transform you into something new. There's a right good work that comes from seeking God diligently. So there's, there's something we know. We know we're to seek God. And there's a song out there that, uh, you know, that he's, he's my rescuer. And we think that he's, all, and we just sang it, right? So he's always going to rescue us. But this, this is, this, this is, this is the, the, the nuance of it. But there's, there, there's always us pursuing him all, but they're not doing anything. Even in the word waiting, which I'm getting ahead of myself now. Okay, I'm going to stop right there so I don't go, go somewhere else. So God rewards those who diligently seek him. You want the reward from heaven. I do. I want an anointing from heaven. I want to speak for, from heaven's, the heart of heaven. I want to see things that, that I've never seen before happen through prayer, through teaching, through friendships. And the thing is, is that I want those rewards. We don't like this idea. You need to turn that light off. That there's a light on me. There's a flashlight on me. Right in my eyeballs. These videographers nowadays. Um... So our good work is to diligently seek God. It's funny how we'll diligently seek employment, but then say, I don't need to diligently seek God. We don't sit around for a job. Nobody sits around and waits for their yard to be mowed. Nobody who owns a home waits around for their yard to be mowed. You don't sit, you don't sit around waiting for dinner to be prepared. You diligently seek the reward of having a meal. You diligently seek having good health. You don't get into your 40s and your 50s and your 60s and not watch your diet and think, hey, everything's going to be okay. You are dilig- you're rewarded when you diligently seek God. So I'm diligently seeking him. We diligently seeking him by being connected to spiritual community, by listening to other teachers that, that challenge us, by prayer, by fasting, by meditation, by, by sozo prayer, by deliverance prayer, by hard conversation, by coaching, by counseling. And those are, those are all things. But all of those things, not seeking God in those things and you doing those things, don't produce the real result that we really want that's over here. The real reward, real reward that's over here. So this idea that we are, so that's the first point. You're rewarded for diligently seeking God. And in your work, for your life, diligently seek God. When you're at your job, no matter what you do, if you're an electrician, a teacher, an accountant, or you work at a a, a picante factory, whatever you do, or if you're a minister, or if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, what you do is you diligently seek God while you're doing that stuff, and then there's a reward in your tangible 40 or 50 or 60 hour week. Many of us go here and we're like, well, I'm keeping my job, but I'm so unhappy, I'm miserable. It's the wrong good work. It's the wrong good work. There's a right good work to do. And the second point is, is that we're created to do meaningful work. We are created to do meaningful work. 
And by meaningful work, there's all different levels. If you're providing for your for you, you're do, doing meaningful work. If you're needed to be provided for and you're working towards not needing to be provided for, you're doing meaningful work. If you provide, yes, I want you, if you're provided for and you're helping everybody around you in your provision, you're doing meaningful work. Meaningful work isn't I'm saving, you know, 100,000 people through a radio program. Meaningful work is that you're doing Colossians, that everything I do, I do unto the glory of God. And everything I do, I'm seeking him. And then out of seeking him and his kingdom, there's a reward that comes from that. You were created in the image of God. It means you are like God. And what does God do constantly throughout the Bible? He works. God works. God labors. Jesus worked. Jesus labors. The first thing we hear him saying is reading out of Isaiah and in and, and Luke chapter 4. He quotes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? To get laboring. To get to work. He's not saying I'm going to get to religious work. He's saying I'm going to get to the right good works of the kingdom of heaven. My, what my father works, I want my hand to be put the, to those things. Now, Jesus himself probably worked up until he was 30 years old. And I've heard some commentaries that read that because he, he spoke so clearly about being a shepherd, so clearly about being a farmer, so clearly about being a fisherman, that he probably wasn't just a carpenter. He probably did, as many men at that time would do, he had a trade, but he probably did a lot of other work, meaningful. And um, he, was, he was always on mission, and his mission out of 1 Timothy one fifteen is uh, Christ came into the world to save sinners. And Paul says of who he is the worst. Jesus' job was to thwart the works of the enemy, to thwart the works of the devil. Why would our job not then be to thwart the works of the devil? So we have a job. We go to our job, typically Monday through Friday, not always. We are there at our job. Yes, be a great employee. Yes, make as much money as you can. Yes, honor your boss. But in your job, thwart the work of the enemy. That the enemy wants to do, and the people around you, thwart that work. Be praying for where you're at. Be diligent where you're at. Seeking God's presence in your job, in your work, in your every day. Now, if his work is to thwart the work of the enemy, then our work is to thwart the work of the enemy. So this third thing is... Let me see if I want to... Let's see, where do I want to go? I got, I got a third and a fourth point. Um, hmm. <laughs> What's? Uh, no, I, 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 I'm just trying to... I, I, I have an idea here that I, that I want to share. Um, I can't think... It's, it's, it's just right here. I'll, I'll get it here in a minute. So here's the third point. We are loving when we provoke others to work. We are loving when we create jobs that provide work. There are some businessmen that are more loving than every other I love everybody person out there because they are providing labor. A person who provides labor is being loving towards people around them. A person that produces work provides labor. And we're loving when we provide other, have others to work. In fact, did you know that in Timothy chapter 5, Paul lines out what widows should not be helped? Paul has it lined out. These are the women that should not. These are the widows that should not be helped. These are the widows that should be helped. These are the young widows that should do this. Here's the older widows that should do that. And even in being helped, they should be working and doing these things. So we always have to, we always have to know that there's boundaries in the things that God has. 
And so we're loving when we provoke others to work. And we're showing hope. We're showing confidence when we take joy in our work. Okay? When we take joy in our labor. This is if you can't take joy in the labor of your work, then you're robbing yourself of the reward of the blessing. You might get a paycheck, but there's something much more that's supposed to happen. If you can't take joy... In cooking, cleaning, more confidence in God, that he's a good God, that he has more for me. It's, it's, a, it's a stewardship thing. And along this way of provoking others to work, everyone in your house should work. It is not loving to let your kids not work. It is not loving for one spouse to do everything and the other spouse not to do anything. Accretion and I have a good mix because we both work. We both have had seasons. For a long season, I was an administrator. And so we, I would have like very busy times of the year, like January, then closing the year, then starting the year. Re-enrollment, we'd all, I would start discussion in January. Cretia had all of February, March, and into April 15th. And then she had September, October, which were easier months for me. So we've always had a, a division of labor that goes on there. But everybody in your house should work. Everyone in your church should work. Everyone. This, this, is, the, this is the goal for the gathering of the of, of community of Christians. That everyone should be bringing a gift into the church. Every one of us. Every one of us should be bringing a gift spiritually. Everyone should be bringing a gift relationally. Everyone should be bringing a gift financially. Everyone should be bringing a gift. There are seasons where you can't bring a gift. But our hope and our expectation is that we will be bringing a gift. All the time. All the time. Tonight we're going to gather. Most of us will be there just to go, just to listen. We won't even be there opened up to receive. Are called. It's 100% participation when you walk into this church. In any church and you say, First Baptist Magnolia is my church. The Journey Church is my church. There's an expectation that God has on us. To seek him and how we're going to give. How, how are you going to show up and give everywhere you're at? And everyone in our community should work. Spiritual community. And we've done a great, uh, a great disservice in the welfare mentality. And I, I just help. I'm helping somebody right now get on disability. They need disability. I'm not against disability, social security, the gold card, food. I'm not against any of those things. I don't want you to hear that. But even in that. Work. Work. If you're blessed and you just won $10 million, find the right labor to do. Find the right work to do. We were created to do work. And, and we're, not, we're not called to release people in wrong ways from their poverty, by the way. I want to make that clear also. When we release people from the struggle of poverty, we condemn them to a life of poverty. So if you're not, if you're, if you're you, can, you can be, you can be, poor and struggling and doing the right good works to not be poor or we can say hey you're just going to be poor that's your lot in life you will always be poor and let's create a system right so that that poverty for a single generation is much better than poverty for repeated generations so when we're invited into the family of god we're given a job to do we're not given a job as our old self with our old dna we're given a job with our new with our new identity with the new promises under a new covenant with new blessings often we get a job we feel like hey the lord wants to use me to do blank to speak to start a ministry to to do something but then we look at our old man and we say oh because of him I can't do it. But we're supposed to look at our new man and say, in him, 
I can do it, and I will do it. And our faith, our hope, and our love, in that we begin to put steps towards what we're believing in, what we're hoping for, and who we're loving, and how we're being loved. It is not... Um, I think this is a, I think this is right here. It's not loving to allow someone in your home, in your community to be lazy, rebellious and to go their own way. They get to do whatever they want. But if somebody comes in into into a spiritual community and they're lazy, but they want, they always want, they always want or if they come in and they're rebellious, they get to be rebellious. But we don't then say oh rebellion's fine. We love you and you re- we do love to the Holy Spirit. And this next, this next, my, my last point here is our work produces a blessing. I spoke Gen, Genesis 12. It says that we are to be blessed among all people. And because we're blessed, we will be a blessing. Now, I want to be a blessing, okay? And so if I want to be a giver, if I want to be a helper, if I want to help people, I had a, a, young, a young pastor call me uh, a Friday night. And um, uh, before we knew it, it was 40. 44, 45 minutes into the conversation, and I was, able to, I was able to bless him because I've been blessed with what the Lord has shown me, and I've been blessed with the trouble and trials I've been taken through. So we're blessed to be a blessing. If you want to help people, then you should put your hands up and say, God, I receive the blessings that you have for me. And we should be able to say, I want everything you have for me, not I just want enough. I just want enough says, God, don't give me everything you want. I'll decide what you should give me. Say, I want everything. I want every bit of favor. I want every bit of anointing. I want every bit of gifting. I want every dollar. I want everything you want to give me. I will receive everything you want to give me. When we say, I don't want much, what we're saying is, I don't want to give much. When we say, I don't want much, we're saying, I don't want to be a blessing. When we say, I don't want very much, just give me enough barely to get by, we're saying, I don't want to. So our work produces a blessing. Our work produces a blessing. So your work, this is is the thing. The work that I do in my soul, the work that I do, the prayer, I'm really bad at fasting. I mean, Herman's great at fasting. I'm bad at fasting. And, um, and I feel like the Lord calling me into fasting. I'm like, no, no, God, don't make me fast. Make me fast. I can fast anything except for food. I can fast TV and I went three or four months without Facebook. I can, I can fast any single thing, but you know, listening to music, God had me fast for like 40 days once I didn't listen to anything in my car. I listened to no teaching for 40 days. I got in my car and the Lord had me like not put anything on the drive, uh, on the passenger seat. And every time I got in my car, I went to put things there. He's like, I'm sitting there. And so for 40 days, everywhere I drove, every time I had to talk to God, I couldn't talk to myself and respond to talk radio or a good message or listen to music. I talked to God so I can do that. It's the food thing that is a killer for me. I don't know where I was going with all of that. Um, but to do the good works and to find, to pursue his presence, there's a reward in pursuing his presence in the wrong good works. 
There's a reward for his for being in his presence, for pursuing him. Pursue his personality. God, how happy are you? How how much in love are me? That, those are the right questions. How happy are you? Not maybe it's not, you know, maybe the wrong good work is why am I miserable? Why am I so unhappy? Maybe it's like, God, why are you happy? And how can I get some of that happiness? God, why are you full of joy? Why do you love me so much? And I let him talk to you. Those are good, those are good works to do and to move into those things. So I want to bless you this morning in, in your work, okay? And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to pray this morning. I want you to pray something like this this week. It's out of Deut- Deuteronomy 28.8. Deuteronomy 28.8. The Lord will send. In another, in another translation, it says the Lord will guarantee. The Lord will send. What's he going to send? punishment, disease, sickness. Remember, this is Old Testament. The Lord will send, he will guarantee a blessing on everything you put your hand to on your work. When you clean your house and you do it as unto the Lord, a guaranteed blessing. When you show up at your job and you do your job, there's a blessing. And you're not supposed to be robbed of the blessing of your work. And you're not supposed to only be rewarded a paycheck at the end of your week if it's financial, and influence sometimes. And there's a, there's a supernatural reward that goes on. It says here, it continues, the Lord will bless you in the land he has given you to farm or to work. The Lord will bless you in the land. By land, he means the Lord will bless you in your soul. The Lord will bless you in your relationships. The Lord will bless you in your home. The Lord will bless you in your church. The Lord will bless you in your place of business. But we have to receive it. We have to believe that there is a blessing there. It's a guaranteed blessing, not based on my goodness or my wrong good works, not even based on my right good works. My right good works come out of the confidence of that inheritance, but based on a crucified Christ who left me an inheritance when he died. And when I entered into the family of God, I said, I want some of my brother's inheritance. And God says, I want to start giving it to you now. He doesn't want to wait till later. The inheritance is, yes, righteousness, peace and joy, the things of the kingdom. But it also says throughout the gospels that your inheritance is clothing and food and shelter and work and ministry you love and relationships that are whole and good. Just go ahead and stand up.